Thanks for checking out this message. As we move into fall, we hope that you will get connected here at The Journey. We have lots of events to join in and we really hope you will join us for our neighborhood life group. Check out our mobile app, searching The Journey Nova in your phone's app store for all the latest information and ways to stay connected. Now, here's the message. Back in the mid 1800s, there was a cartoon, I believe it was a political cartoon. And, and in this cartoon, you had these two donkey riders. Right? They're in this race, they're trying to get to the finish line. And so you have this one donkey rider, he's on his, his donkey, and, and he's angry. I mean, he, he's upset because his donkey's not going anywhere. His donkey's being a donkey, right? He's stubborn, he's there, he's trying to use force, it's not working. You have this other donkey rider, he's on his donkey, and he's got this huge smile on his face. Not the donkey, but the dude does, the rider. The rider's got this huge smile on his face, maybe the donkey does too, because he's holding this, this cane, and in this cane, or on the end of this cane, there's a string hanging down. At the end of the string, there's a carrot. And this donkey is actually moving forward because the donkey's trying to chase after this carrot, a carrot that he, he thinks he can get, but, but he's only going to find out if he can get it when he gets to the finish line. Now, the idea behind this particular cartoon is that there's always something that is dangling in front of you and I, something that's, that's just out of reach. But it, when, we, when we think about this thing that we're trying to, to reach, we keep pursuing it. We, we keep chasing after it, and we won't stop until we finally, hopefully, get it. Well, over the next four weeks, we're going to be in this series called Chasing Carrots, because every single one of us in this room, every single one of us that's watching online today, all of us are chasing something in our life. We're chasing a career, we're chasing relationships, we're chasing money. Maybe some of us are actually chasing Jesus, but we're, we're chasing things in our life. And, and it's there in front of us, and we're on this pursuit to get it. And, and we will do whatever it costs so that we can hopefully finally grab that, that carrot that is setting there in front of our eyes. And so over the course of the next four weeks, we're going to look at these specific things that, that you and I may be chasing in our life. But as we're chasing these things, the big question is, are the things that we're chasing, do they actually matter? Do they matter? Or do they not really matter? And so that's really what we're going to be working through over the course of this series. But as we get started, as we begin, there's one big question that, that we're going to ask throughout this series. And it's the question that's up here on this graphic. And it's, it's what are you chasing? In your life, what are you chasing? Because again, all of us are chasing something. And I hope we can figure out what that is as we go through this next four weeks. But as we begin, we got to start somewhere. And so today we're going to start by talking about chasing success. Chasing success. Now listen to me. Success is not a bad thing, okay? Success does not have to be evil, but sometimes chasing success can become more important than anything else in our life. And so we're going to talk about this idea of what it looks like for us to chase success in our lives. Now I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm not going to give you like practical steps. And so if you're a, you're a practical person, you're like, hey, I need those three steps that I can follow. I'm not going to give them to you. You've got to figure out the steps yourself. What I am going to do, I'm going to kind of do a coaching model here. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you four questions. And I'm going to ask you these four questions, the same questions I asked myself. We're going to ask ourselves these questions. And, and your job and my job is now to answer those questions and how they apply to us in our particular life and the things that we're chasing, specifically when it comes to chasing success. What does this look like for us in chasing success 
and how can we best answer these questions? And so let's don't waste any time. Let's go ahead and get into the questions. Here's question number one, that when it comes to chasing success, we've got to ask ourselves, what are your motives for success? What are your motives for success? What drives you for success or towards the success? Why do you and I, why do we want to be successful? There has to be a motive. There, there's got to be a reason that so many of us are chasing after success in our lives. And again, you've got to answer that question just like I do. But I think one of the main reasons we actually chase after success is that we're looking for meaning in our life. We look at our life and we think, you know, there, there's something to my life. There's this purpose for living. There's this purpose to exist. But what is it? And it seems so often the, the one thing that we can connect with more than anything else is, is work. Like work is the thing that, that brings meaning and existence or the, the purpose for my existence in this life. It means so much to me that I will chase it because I want that kind of meaning. I want that kind of purpose for, for who I am. Think about uh, social settings. You're in a social setting and one of the probably top two questions that, that we ask in social settings is what do you do for a living? Now, if you're me and you're in a social setting and someone asks you that question, I usually have two answers I can give people and it, it really just kind of depends on if I want to continue the conversation or not, all right? And so if I want to continue the conversation, I want to continue to have a, a convo with this person I'm chatting with, I'll answer it this way. I'll tell them, hey, I run a nonprofit that helps people reach their fullest potential. <laughs> is that a lie? No, it is not a lie. Because then they're like, oh, well, tell me a little bit more about this. That's if I want the conversation to continue. If I want it to end, and if I want it to end very abruptly, I say I'm a pastor at a church. Because <laughs> at that point, it's like, oh, I just got a phone call. I left, got to go. I left the iron on at home. I got to go back home and take care of that. It's funny when you tell people you're a pastor how conversations end so quickly. But honestly, I've never used number one. Okay, I just want to go ahead and let you know that. I've, I guess I just like conversations to end quickly. I've never used number one. But anyway, beside the point. Um, we ask that question because we connect our meaning for life to this thing that we do. Because when you answer that question, what do we do? We give our credentials. We give our resume. We, we're like, hey, you know, I, I work here and I've been doing this for X amount of years and here's my title and here's my position. You know, we basically go, here's how much retirement I got. Here's how much money I make. I mean, we just, we just basically lay everything out there. I mean, they could go on LinkedIn and see everything about us and everything that we're going to talk about right there in that moment. But it's because we think work is what gives us meaning to our life, that it's the, the reason that I exist, my purpose for living. And so we chase after success, I think, for so many of us, because we, we find that, that we find meaning to, to be here because of the work that we do. But I'll let you know, this is not something new. This is something that's been around for thousands and thousands of years, and I would even say it's from the very beginning of, of humanity, uh, that, uh, that we go in this direction because we're trying to figure out why do I exist? Why am I here? Well, I want to go back to a book in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes. Um, this is a book that was written by or written for uh, a guy named Solomon. It was King Solomon. He was uh, King David's son, and he was known to be the wisest man to ever live. Now, I'm a little cynical here with some of this because I, I look at Solomon, and if you know much about his life, you know, God gave him wisdom, right? So he's got God-given wisdom. But to be the wisest man to ever live, he did some of the dumbest stuff that I could ever imagine, right? 
Like you read through his life, you're like, seriously? You, you decided this was going to be a good idea, a good decision to make? Now, I, I think probably there was a lot of God-given wisdom, and then there was a lot of experience, and he kind of melted those together and uh, was able to, to, to use that wisdom. But, but people loved him. People would come to, to his palace, and they would just ask him questions. They, they wanted to be around him. They wanted to, they wanted to learn from Solomon. And so he would spend time with all these different people, just imparting his wisdom on them. But in Ecclesiastes, we read about this, this wisdom that he had and how he, he used that in his life. And in fact, he talks about looking for this, this purpose for life, this meaning for existing. We find it in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, starting with verse 4. It says, I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I, I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. Take out a couple of items in here, and this sounds like the kind of success that so many of us would love to have in our lives, that, that this is the kind of success that we would desire. And, and so as we, we think about Solomon here, who, who really does, he, he had it all, he has it all, there, there's this reason that he does, and the reason he's chasing for the success is, as he says here, he's trying to find this meaning for who he is. When you think about who you are, what are your motives for success? But then it leads into our second question here. And the second question says, why does success matter to you? Why does success matter to you? In a region like we live in here, there's a lot of successful people. There's a lot of successful people here in, in our church. And, and how do we define that, though? If you think about it, we define it by the stuff that we have. We, we look at someone's education and we, we look at the homes they have and the, the vacations that they take and the title that they hold. I mean, we look at all these different things and, and we define success by what people have and, and what they do. May, maybe even by the kind of cars that, that they drive. Uh, a couple summers ago, we had a windshape camp here at the Journey for mostly elementary age. I think some of the middle school kids could do it too, but just a great, great week. We hope to bring that back in the next year or two. We're hoping that'll happen. But, um, but the group that came to lead that camp for us were actually a bunch of college students, and they were some of the most amazing college students I've ever been around. But they ran this camp. They, they did an incredible, incredible job. One day, I'm sitting and having a conversation with a group of them, and one of the young ladies said, and they were all from like, Tennessee and Alabama and Kentucky and from these smaller towns and she, she said to me she's like people here must be really successful they must do really well I was like well yeah I mean you know there's a lot of jobs here and there's a lot of opportunities and people are successful but, but why, why do you say that she's like man we drive around and all we see are Teslas all over the place <laughs> started laughing I was like all right Teslas I said well, why does that mean people are successful she's like where I live there's one Tesla in the whole town that's it so you must be really successful to live here and have Teslas I was like well I don't think that how, that's how it exactly works but okay but that's it that's how we define success right we, we look at what people have we look at their stuff and we define their success and we define where we are on that ladder of success based on what others may 
have. But there's different reasons that each of us chase after success. And why does success matter to you and to me? Well, I think one of the best answers for that, again, you get to answer this however you want to, is this idea of control. That if we look at our lives, the one thing in our life that we can control more than any other is our work world, right? I mean, we're talking about work mostly here today. It could be any area of life. It could be parenting. It could be education. It could be school. It could be any of that type of thing. But, but really when we're talking about work, that, that we, we, we chase after success so much because it's the one area we can actually control. Think about the world we live in. And we look around the world we live in and we see wars and we see fighting and we see poverty and protests and hate and disease and fires and hurricanes and the loss of life. And these are things we can't control. And so we look at the world and we're like, the world is chaotic. The world is a mess. I can't control that. But then we look internally, right? We, we look at our own lives. And what do we see when we look at our own lives? We, we look at these relationships that we have that are, that are breaking apart. We have these friendships that are shattered. We have these marriages that are, are crumbling. And, and we think, I, I can't really even control that. But what's the one thing I can't control? I can control what I do. I can control my work. I can control my effort. I can control the time I put in and how many hours and how much traveling I do. This is the one thing that I can control. We look at everything else and like, I can't control anything else. And we feel this emptiness. We feel this loneliness. And so we have to fill that emptiness with something. And for many of us, it's chasing after that carrot of success. Because we look at that and we think, this is the one thing in my life that I can control. Even Solomon talks about this in verses 9 through 11 in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes. He says, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. The chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Our desire for success, I believe so often, that, that desire to, to have something we can control is really because we are trying to fulfill that emptiness that we have. That there's this loneliness that, that we, we have in our life and, and we don't want to be lonely. We, we want to be noticed. We want to be appreciated. We, we want to feel like we've, we've made something of ourselves. We're acknowledged for our hard work. And so we, we put hard work into what we do. We, we put it into our work. And here, here's Solomon right here. And in some ways you feel like he's bragging, right? He, he says, I became greatest by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And, and I think in many ways he is. But he's also saying... I was chasing after success. I was doing everything that the world said I should do. And yet, as I look back, you notice he says here, he says, all of that was meaningless. And in fact, he says it was a chasing after the wind. You think about that imagery there, when he talks about chasing after the wind, and he uses that a lot here in Ecclesiastes. Uh, think about wind, and it's blowing towards you. You can't grab it. Right? You can fill it, but you can't grab it. You, you can't harness it. You can't hold on to it. You, you can't capture it. And he's saying, look, 
all these things in your life that you're chasing after, if you're chasing after the desires of your heart, you're chasing after success, guess what? It's all meaningless. And by the way, you're never going to be able to grasp it. You, you think you are because you have that title and you make that money and you have those cars, but in the end, you have nothing. All you're doing is chasing after the wind. And we can't hold the wind. So why does success matter to you? And maybe for some of us it is. It's that idea of I can control this one thing in my life. And Solomon says, no, you can't. It's meaningless. It's chasing after the wind. But then in, here's a third question that I believe we have to ask. And the, that question is, what are you willing to give up for success? What are you willing to give up for success? Because if you're chasing that carrot of success, here's the deal. In the end, it will cost you something. In the end, there's a payment that will be due for your chasing after that carrot of success. And so what are you willing to give up? Many of you in this room, those of you online, you've experienced that. You've seen the outcome of someone who was chasing success. Now, maybe it happened to you. Maybe it was you that was chasing it. But you realize as you look back at whatever may have happened there, something had to be paid. It wasn't a gift that you were given. There was a cost to that. And so that cost ended up tearing up that relationship. It ended up destroying that business. It ended up messing up your finance, whatever it may have been, because you were chasing after this one thing. You were chasing after that carrot of success. And in the end, it was meaningless. That payment came due, and, and you found that success wasn't the answer. And yet for so many of us, we still continue to chase after success, even knowing it will cost us something. Uh, Vince Lombardi was a legendary football coach. Uh, for one year, he actually coached here in Washington. I think it was 1959. Uh, did it for a year. I believe they finished 7-5. and five. And uh, some people say that was sort of the turning point. Uh, for the football program here that hadn't been too great at that point, but he came in and began to change the culture and, and things looked up for them for a few more years. But, um, but he died, I think, the year after he coached here. But uh, he, he, he said these words, and I just want you to, to see these words on the screen as I read them because there's a lot in here. Look at what he says. He says, once you agree upon the price, listen to this, you and your family must pay for success. He says, it enables you to ignore the minor hurts, the opponent's pressure, and the temporary failures. Here's Vince Lombardi, who is known to be one of the greatest football coaches of all time. In fact, when you win the Super Bowl, you hold up the Lombardi trophy. But what was the cost to all that success? Now, I don't know all about his family and everything, but just based on these words that I hear, it's like, I'm willing to pay my family that they can be the price for my success. Are, are you and I, are we willing to chase after success in that way? What are we willing to pay for success? We go back to Solomon. Here's what he says, chapter 2, verse 22. He says, What do people get for all the toil and ancient striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. I love what he writes here because it really is, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to experience so that you can have success? I mean, look at that passage there. He says, you know what you're going to get? you got to work hard, right? you got to work really hard, but then there's going to be anxiety. There's going to be pain. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be grief. There's going to be sleepless nights. Does that sound familiar to anybody? <laughs> because when you're chasing success, 
these are the things that, that happen. That it will cost you something to chase that carrot of success. But are you willing to pay that cost? And once again, we look at his words here. He says, hey, let me just go ahead and tell you, here's the deal. Chasing after success, everything that comes from it, in the end, it's not worth it. In the end, it is meaningless. It just leads to more hurt. I've been in full-time ministry for 23 years now. Um, I grew up a pastor's kid, so my whole life has been in the church world. And as I, as I look back over the years, you know, growing up as a PK and then, you know, being in ministry myself, I've watched as, as people have chased after that carrot of success, and I, I've watched it just, it just blow up families. And I'm not even talking about you. I'm talking about pastors' families. Because over the course of my life, as I've watched, I've watched pastors and churches chase after success to do whatever it took to get there. And some of the outcomes of that have been toxic leadership and toxic churches and, and sadly, in some instances, abuse. But, but even beyond that, I've watched pastors' families disintegrate. And the reason is pretty simple. The pastor of the family, the, who was the, uh, the family member, usually the dad in these instances, was uh, the pastor, and he was chasing after that ministerial success. He was doing everything he could to, to grab that, that carrot of success. And in the end, it cost him something. I would talk to their kids who would say, hey, I don't want anything to do with the church anymore because I watched my dad chase after that carrot of success. I don't even want anything to do with God or Jesus because if that's what it's about, it's about chasing after that, then, then why should I chase after God if that's what that really means? And so I've watched these children walk away from their faith, but, but even beyond that, I've watched these marriages break apart. Or, or the husband has, has chased after this ministerial success and, and gone after this carrot that's there, and, and in the end, the wife's like, I, I don't even know you anymore. I, I don't want to be with you anymore. And I've watched countless marriages break apart because of that and I'll be honest with you I have to watch myself here too because I'm not any different than you I there are times that I want to chase after success more than anything else and, and it's easy to kind of maneuver yourself towards that to chase after success and I have to tell myself hey whoa, whoa, whoa. there's a cost to that there's a, there's a payment that's going to be due and are you and I are we willing to pay that payment because I don't think we're going to like that payment when it comes in our life Again, if we want the world's success, what are we willing to give up? But then this leads us into the last question, question number four. And this really is the most important question we can ask. Who are you representing in your life? Who are you representing in your life? Are you representing you or are you representing Jesus? Because in the end, this is the most important question that we can ask when it comes to this idea of chasing success. Because here's the deal, you have to choose. You can choose success or you can choose Jesus. I want to go back to Solomon because at the very beginning of Ecclesiastes chapter 1, he just kind of lays it all out. He really sort of starts with the ending first and shares that with us before he gives us a conclusion. Here's what he says, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, starting with verse 2. It says, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. 
The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever really truly new. We, we don't remember what happened in the past. And in future generations, look at this, no one will remember what we are doing now. Aren't those some happy, encouraging words for today? It's like, dude, I mean, you could have done a little bit better here, but the psalmist shares at the very beginning, he's basically saying, hey, here, here's, the, here's the truth, here, here's the reality. I just want to go ahead and, and share that part with you now. And, and look at what he says here. He talks about that we're never satisfied. He says, we're never content. And oh, by the way, no one, no one will remember what we are doing now. And I think in some ways he's saying, why waste your time? Let me go ahead and help you out. I've chased success. I have had it all. I've been looking for meaning in my life. I've paid the price. Let me just save you all the trouble. Here's the deal. It's not worth it. It's all meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. So, what is the conclusion then that Solomon gives us? Well, if we actually fast forward to the end of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12, verse 13, here's what Solomon writes. He says, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. And you know, we look at Solomon's life and he was extremely successful. The desires of his heart he had. And again, many of us would say, if not all of us, we'd love to live at least a part of the life that Solomon lived. And yet Solomon looks at his life and everything he's done. He talks about it being meaningless. He says this is chasing after the wind. And then his conclusion is this. None of that stuff matters. He's like, you, you want to know the conclusion? You want to know what actually matters? See what he says there? He says, fear God and follow God. He doesn't say like a self-help book would say he doesn't say hey follow me hey do what i did hey emulate me you too can be successful he doesn't say that at all he's like all that stuff is meaningless he said what's most important is that you fear and follow god for him that was the one thing the one conclusion he came to out of his life that he lived go back to that question who are you representing with your life? Are you representing you or are you representing Jesus? Because once again, we get to choose. Now, I want to say this one more time. I'm not saying success is bad. I'm not saying success is evil. What I'm asking us is what are we chasing after? Are we chasing after success or are we chasing after Jesus? Because I know a lot of people who are chasing after Jesus and are very successful in what they do. And that's okay. Because they're making a decision in their life to chase after Jesus more than success. But sometimes we're chasing after success more than we're chasing Jesus. And Solomon reminds us in the end, we, we don't want to pay the price that is there for that. And so we have to choose which one we're representing. Which one we're chasing after. Now, I got a test for you. 
And so there's this test you can take to figure out which one you're representing in your life, which one you're chasing in your life. I want you to think about your relationships that you have, your friendships, uh, co-workers, maybe in your neighborhood, um, relationships maybe you have with your family. If you're married, your marriage, your dating relationships as a parent. I want you to think about those relationships just for a second. And if those relationships are all broken, if they're messy, if there's pain and anxiety and grief and sleepless nights there because of those relationships, but then people come up to you and they talk to you about how successful you are how they admire you for your work and your work effort and all the things that you're doing and how incredible you are and all these things that you've written and all these plans you've put together. If you hear that and your relationships are broken, I can tell you right now what you're chasing. You're not chasing after Jesus. What you're chasing after, you're chasing after success. And in the end, as Solomon says, that is meaningless. I think one of the things that we have to be reminded of is that we're not here very long. Our, our time here on this earth is short, and so what we're chasing is important. Solomon's dad, King David, wrote these words in Psalm 102. He said, My life passes as swiftly as the evening shadows. I am withered away like grass, but you, O Lord, will sit on your throne forever. Your fame will endure to every generation. I read David's words there, and it's a reminder to all of us that our life is short that we are withering away like grass. There is an ending coming. And so while that ending is coming, and we don't know when that will be, we still have to make that choice. Am I going to choose the carrot of success, or am I going to choose to chase Jesus? Something that truly matters in our life. We get to make that choice in our lives. That what that thing is that we will chase. Will it be myself? Will it be my success? Or will it be Jesus? Well, how do we do that? What does it look like to chase Jesus? I love what John says. He writes this in his gospel in the New Testament. John chapter 3, verse 30. John says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Now, what you think about John, John was Jesus' best friend. They were connected. Their families were connected. They, they had this incredible bond. John could have used that to make himself successful. When Jesus was gone, he, he could have said, hey, you know, I knew Jesus. We were really close. I mean, I, you know, you want stuff for me. I can help you out. And he could have used that to, to just be an incredibly successful man, but he didn't. He, he looked at his life and he said, I can choose success or I can choose Jesus. And like, I'm going to choose Jesus. And not only am I going to choose Jesus, but I'm going to, I'm going to fall back on the wayside. I'm going, to, I'm going to make myself less and less so that Jesus can be greater and greater. I'm going, to, I'm going to spend my life chasing after Jesus in such a way that people will see that. And Jesus will become more known because I'm chasing after Jesus and making Jesus greater instead of myself trying to make my own life better than it's ever been. And so he chased after Jesus. And he said, hey, my job is to make Jesus greater and greater. But you know what? We look at Jesus, and if you think about Jesus' life, he didn't personify success. If we were to define success in our eyes, Jesus wasn't successful. And here's what I mean. He, he was never married. He never had any kids. He didn't own a home. He had to rely on other people to take care of him financially. He was abandoned by his closest friends at the end of his life, and he died this early death. And so if I were to look at Jesus, and I were to look at Solomon, I would say, well, Jesus wasn't successful at all, but, but Solomon, look at all that he had. 
this guy knew what success was like. Here's the crazy part. I've never talked to one person who says, hey, you know what? I follow Solomon. Solomon's my savior. He, he's what's most important to me. I've never heard that in my entire life. But I hear over and over again people say, hey, I'm doing everything I can to follow Jesus. That, that my life is about chasing Jesus. In the world's eyes, Jesus wasn't very successful, but that wasn't the point. The point was saying, in your life, you can choose success, just like Solomon, and you're going to find out it's meaningless, or you can choose Jesus. And when you choose Jesus, your life, man, it is worth living. So as we think about this idea of chasing success today, I really believe we have to ask ourselves those four questions. And again, you get to answer them however you want to answer them, but take the time to do that. But it really goes back to that last question. What are you chasing? Because whatever you and I are chasing will define who we are. It'll define who we are right now, but it'll define who we are for the future. It'll define who we are for the rest of our life, our life here on this earth and then our life to come. And so my question this morning is, are you chasing success or are you chasing Jesus? That's why I love this opportunity we have together to take communion. Because it is a reminder that this is the most important thing that we do. This, this focus on who Jesus is. And I'll be honest with you, what we say up here as we preach, what, what happens when we sing, those things are not the most important part of our service. The most important thing that we do as a church is we spend this moment together in communion. This is our, our focus and, and who we are. It is a reminder to us that we are called not to chase success, but to chase after Jesus. And you know what Jesus has done for us? He died and came back to life so that we can have that relationship, that connection with Christ. And that the more we chase after him, the greater and greater he becomes and the lesser we become.